الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاه والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم رجال لا تلهيهم تجاره ولا بيع عن ذكر الله واقام الصلاه وايتاء الزكاه يخافون يوما تتقلب فيه القلوب والابصار وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم رحم الله رجلا سمحا اذا باع واذا اشترى واذا اقتضى او كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم most respected ulama ikram brothers and elders one of the obligations that allah taala has placed on insan that he has to earn a halal living talab kasb al halal faridatun ba'd al farida allah taala has placed various obligations various commands have been directed to this insan after the other obligations in terms of the pillars of islam that a person's salah is being fulfilled correctly in time his zakat is paid if hajj is compulsory upon him that is being discharged he fasts in the month of ramadan these are the fundamentals and the pillars of islam together with that and after that in priority and in sequence allah taala has placed the obligation of earning a halal living so a mu'min fulfills this responsibility that he has the responsibility of caring for his family for his children so he earns a halal living to take care of this responsibility of his but a mu'min is not just concerned about earning a halal living he is concerned about something beyond that also obviously this is the foundation that it must be halal but he is concerned about not just being halal but being filled with barakat also if we look around perhaps there wasn't a time where there was so much of wealth in the hands of muslims in the hands of people in general but if we look around we will also see that perhaps the level of discontent was never this this high also previously generally if you go back 25 30 maybe a little bit more 40 50 years ago the majority of people were on an average level living a very simple life didn't have the kind of luxuries and comforts <coughs> that have become the standard nowadays but they had a very content life they were very content with whatever they had and in this way they lived their lives without any kind of issue nowadays the amount of wealth that people have generally many is far beyond what their grandfathers or even their parents probably even imagined or dreamt about but the level of discontent this is something that probably was unprecedented on a general level illa mashallah so something is missing something has gone out of this whole equation something has we have lost out on something that something is what we call barakat 
to the extent of barakat in something, to that extent the good of it comes. Subutul khayril ilahi fi shay'in. That's barakat. That the divine blessings infused into something. When the blessings of Allah Ta'ala are now in something, in whatever that issue might be, whether it's a person's income, whether it is his home, whether it is his business, whether it is his job, whether it is his family, whether it is his children, when there's barakat in it, then he derives the full benefit of it. Then it becomes a source of contentment for him. It becomes a source of happiness and peace for him. The quantity might be more, the quantity might be less, but it will bring this outcome. With a bigger quantity too, it will bring this outcome. With a smaller quantity also, it will bring this outcome. And really the outcome is what is the most important thing. It's the outcome that after all what a person is striving for. And if he knew in advance that this effort of mine is not going to bring this outcome that I want, where is he going to make it? The main thing is the outcome. So the issue is this barakat. How does this barakat come in? This is the aspect to consider. Now there are many angles in which this can be discussed, many ways in which this can be expanded on, but the best and simplest way to understand what is this barakat all about is to understand it in the light of the examples and the incidents of the pious that have passed. How they understood what is the method of achieving this barakat. How they applied the various teachings of Rasulullah in this regard. That gives us a very clear path, a very clear example, and examples are what have been given to us. Allah Ta'ala sent Rasulullah as the best example. لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنًا Allah Ta'ala says this is an example. Because insan, he learns very easily by seeing an example. And it becomes very easy for him to follow in the same footsteps. So likewise, what Rasulullah taught, the sahaba kiram and thereafter the pious that passed in every era, they emulated that. And they applied it. And they set that path for us to now also follow him. So this is the lesson that we have to take. And inshallah, to the extent that we <coughs> imbibe this lesson, we act adopt it, to that extent we will enjoy that same outcome. So in the hadith of Rasulullah wasallam, there are many many guidelines in this regard, that where the barakat will come from. But before that, the principle of it all, the principle of it all, Allah Ta'ala mentioned in an ayat of the Quran Sharif, وَلَوْ أَنَّ أَهَلَ الْقُرَىٰ آمَنُوا وَاتَّقَوْا لَفَتَحْنَا عَلَيْهِمْ بَرَكَاتٍ مِّنَ السَّمَاءِ وَالْأَرْضِ the crux of this, there is no time to go into the explanation in detail. The crux of it, Allah Ta'ala says, if there is two ingredients, Iman and Taqwa, in anything, Allah Ta'ala will open out the barakat, the blessings of the heavens and the earth. These are the two essential things, Iman and Taqwa. So the converse of this Taqwa is sin, disobedience of Allah Ta'ala. So if this is what will bring the barakat, sin and disobedience will deprive the person of the barakat. It will drain out the barakat. And as a result we find that this is what has been mentioned in the Hadith Sharif where Rasulullah says Inna rajula la yusibu. That a person is deprived of rizq due to a sin that he incurred. Now a sin imagine a person now is involving himself in sin after sin. A sin, it drains out the barakat. So now this is the 
summary of it all, this is the principal aspect that a person has to conduct his dealings. One is that a person is a businessman, but if a person is not also, we are also sometimes, if not every day, person is in business, he is selling and buying every day, person not in business also is transacting every day in some way or the other, he is also buying something, once in a while he is also selling something, or he might be in a job, he might be in a profession, he might be in a trade, whatever it might be, these principles apply in every aspect of life. And no matter what a person's manner of earning his income is, this applies to him. So these are the principal issues, Iman and Taqwa, saving a person, saving himself from sin, this is the recipe for this barakat. So expand on this in the Hadith Sharif, one Hadith Rasulullah says that the buyer and seller in sadaqa wa bayyana that if they are truthful and they are transparent, if there is some fault, they are explaining it, the buyer, the seller is showing it, this is a fault of the item. He is not trying to hide anything. Nabi Islam says, they will get barakat in their transaction. Both parties will derive that barakat because they conducted themselves in the correct manner. But if they do the opposite, in kasama wa kazaba, somebody is trying to hide some fault and defect, trying to cut some corner somewhere to just make that sale, but without being transparent, without being truly and being honest completely, then Nabi Islam says, فَأَسَا أَيَّرْبَحَا ribahan. Sometimes perhaps the person might make a killing. In our words, we say perhaps he might make a killing. But, But they will destroy the barakat of their transaction. So now the quantity was there, the increase came. In the terms of the figures, the figures multiplied. The kasrat and the abundance came, but the barakat went away. So the kasrat and the abundance is one thing, but having the barakat in the kasrat, Having the barakat and the blessings of Allah Ta'ala in that abundance, that is the key aspect to getting the good outcome of it. Otherwise, Allah forbid that kasrat will become a problem. Now to understand this, as we said in the light of the incidents of the pious, that how they applied this, being completely transparent, being honest, and being completely above board and clear. Imam Abu Hanifa, rahimahullah, he used to engage in trade as well, he was a trader, he had agents, he would give the person the capital and or buy some consignment and pass it on to the person that you now do the rest of it and he would then, there would be an arrangement of how they are going to share the profits. So one consignment of cloth came. But there was a fault, a defect in that consignment. In every piece of cloth there was a defect. So in any case he passed it on to the agent that look this is this consignment of cloth, uh, you sell it on. But make sure you inform the customer of the defect. The person nevertheless took it along. Now after some time he started selling it off. And he completely forgot. It wasn't deliberate. He completely forgot to inform the customers of the defect. After the whole consignment was sold. Now the matter came to now sort everything out. Imam Abu Hanifa rahimullah asked him. That that defect did you inform the customers about it? I say, inna lillahi wa inna I completely forgot. No deliberate action. It was a complete mistake. I completely forgot to inform the customers of the defect. Imam Hanifa was extremely distressed. He says, what is the amount that we earned, not just the amount that we earned, the profits, the entire amount that came out of the sale. 
It was 30,000 dirhams, 30,000 pieces of silver of that time. What was the buying value of that? The buying value of that would amount to Allah knows best, hundreds of thousands of rand in this time. He gave the entire amount, not just the profits, even the capital. He said, I don't have anything to do with this. This, now because we can't even go and find out where the customers are, who came and bought it. We have no idea the people, where they are and who they are. So we can't have anything to do with this. He gave the entire amount away in sadaqah and charity that this is going to destroy the barakat. This tainted wealth is going to deprive us of the barakat. We can't have it. He gave the whole thing away in sadaqah. Now he's applying that hadith sharif. That the person must be completely transparent, but now they forgot. They made a mistake, so I can't touch it. Once one woman came to him, and she said to him, that I want to buy this silken cloth you have, but look, I'm an old woman, I'm a very weak person, I don't know values of things. I want to do a deal with you. Please sell it to me at your cost. A woman came, she said, look, this silken cloth, I don't know the true value of things. Please, now I'm asking you, do me a favor, sell it to me at your cost. And I decided to do a favor to her. So he told her four dirhams. Now a piece of silken cloth in that time must have been, Allah knows best, whatever that might, might have been worth, 50, 100 dirhams. So he's telling her four dirhams. Now she says, look, please don't joke with me. I'm asking you, I'm asking a favor, fine. Sell it to me at your cost. But now you're joking with me, telling me four dirhams for a piece of silken cloth. So he says, well, you asked that I should sell it to you at my cost. So I made the decision, fine, I will do that. The reality of it is, I had bought two pieces of cloth together as one, one purchase. So now the one cloth I already sold, and the profit that I made out of that one cloth, from the total purchase price, only four dirhams are outstanding now. So for example, I bought two for hundred, and I sold one for ninety-six for example. So now from the total purchase price, there's only four dirhams left. You asked me to sell it to you at cost. So this is now the leftover of the cost. So you can have it for four dirhams. Now this, because he agreed, then I'm going to sell it to you at cost. He could have made his own interpretation of that cost. That well, I bought the two for hundred, so the cost of each one is fifty. No, no, I sold the one already for ninety-six. So this is only four left. You can have it for four. Now they understood the full application that if they are transparent and honest, this is the transparency and the honesty. But then this came, the, brought the barakat along, and this is what made them prosper, not just in their dunya. But the barakat of that flowed into their deen. In the Quran Sharif, Allah Ta'ala addresses the greatest personalities, the messengers of Allah Ta'ala. Ya ayyuhar rusul, kulu min tayyibati wa amalu saliha. Eat of the pure things and do righteous actions. Because of the direct link, what a person consumes, that will determine what he does. Because that food is going to now be converted into blood. And that blood is going to flow in the entire body. And that blood is going to nourish the heart and nourish the mind. And this is going to give rise to the functions of the heart and mind. Now that pure halal nourishment that came in the body, it that became converted into blood, that is nourishing the heart and mind, that is going to bring about good thoughts. And if there's contaminated wealth that, that was consumed, that is going to give rise to all kinds of evil thoughts. Those evil thoughts will translate into evil actions. So this was their caution. I must have what is 100% halal. So this is the one principle the Hadith Sharif Nabi Islam has given us. 
complete transparency, complete honesty, this brings the barakat. Then, one step further, besides being honest, to rather err on the side of caution. One is that a person now wants to really drive a hard bargain, but in that process, he might err on the, forget err on the side of caution, he might go the step the other side, he might cross the line somewhere. Once Rasulullah came, now this was a practical lesson, he was giving a practical lesson to the Sahaba. He came to the marketplace, and two people were selling something. So he came, he bought the item from them. Now there was a person, those days, the gold, silver, whatever, had to be weighed. So the person was there present who used to do this job, he used to weigh that somebody wants their money weighed to pay the person, so he would do this as a job, as a fee. Maybe he asked him, okay, weigh this for me. And then when he says, weigh it, now I need to pay the person 10 dirhams, 10 pieces of silver, so you weigh it, it must weigh so much. Then he says to him, zin wa arji. Zin wa arji. Wait, but give him more. For example, he's deserving of, for example, one kilo. You make it one kilo and five grams. You put extra on his side. Why? You rather be on the side of caution. Because to cut corners and give him one gram, half a gram less, that's going to destroy the entire burger. Rather give him five grams more. Zin. Now this, those who understood this aspect of erring on the side of caution, they didn't take chances. These are great personalities, we spoke about Imam Abu Hanifa, another great, great Imam of fiqh, and the Imam of the time, Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal, rahimahullah. he came to one person, and he bought some grain on credit, he didn't have the money immediately, he needed this for his household, so he bought it on credit, so the person wanted something as security. So there was a bucket. These are the items that now people, it was valuable items for them. Some bucket with which he would now use for his daily needs. He gave that bucket as security. The person kept it as collateral security. So after some time he came with the money. He had the money now to pay. He paid the money. And he said, now return my bucket. That bucket which was kept as security, collateral. The person brought out the bucket, but he brought out two buckets, both looking the same. And he says, whichever one is yours, take it. He got mixed up somehow. Whichever one is yours, you take it. Imam Sahib looked at it and he says that I can't identify with certainty, 100%, without a shadow of doubt. I can't identify which one is mine. He says, well, take one. He says, never, impossible. He says, since now there's this confusion, I can't identify 100% which is mine. You keep the bucket and the money is paid, the money is yours too. But I am not going to take any chances in this. When he turned to leave, the seller says to the person who was there with him, he says, I know which is his bucket. I was deliberately, I did this deliberately, I was just testing his taqwa, what is his level of caution? And this is his level of caution. He, he gave the payment also, but he is not prepared to touch that which he has got a bit of doubt in that well done. Now he gave it a security, is that person's fault? He could have taken him to task for it, that you bring the value of my bucket now. He said, I am not interested in taking it back now, you keep it, you keep the money, you keep the bucket also. This was the extent of their caution in their dealings. And this became the barakat in their lives. Now they produce that kind of great work, that their fiqh became the means of guidance for people throughout the world. And centuries have passed, and people are following in their, the light of the guidance of their knowledge, and they would be continuously receiving the rewards of this. 
But part of all this great barakat that came in their deen was by the means of which they were handling their dunya also. The caution in which they handled their dunya. Let alone not being dishonest, rather being very just. Forget being just, being more than just. Giving the next person the benefit of the doubt, giving him an extra we find that this was something in the lives of the pious predecessors, in the lives of the Sahaba, etc. That they would go beyond even this too. Once Anas says that I was sitting in the company of Rasulullah together with me was another Sahabi. And at that time Nabi mentioned one Hadith Sharif. He mentioned one lesson that لا يؤمن عبد حتى يحب لأخيه ما يحب لنفسه That a person is not a true believer. He cannot be a complete and true believer. Until he loves for his fellow Muslim what he loves for himself. Any case we heard this message, we heard this lesson. Then the both of us had to buy something. There was something we needed, some item. So we went to the marketplace. One person was selling that item. So I asked the seller how much you want to sell this for? How much are you selling it for? So he said 30 dirhams. So my companion looked at it, he picked it up, he looked at it, he asked him will you sell it for 40 dirhams? The seller says that I am already, I already said I am ready to sell it for 30. Why you want to give, it to, give me 40 for it? Then again he looks at it more carefully and he says, but will you sell it for 50 dirham? That's a very strange thing. My, if it was in this time and age and somebody we overheard it, he would have said this person is just to be a little bit on the lighter side of it. That we say this person is a few bob short or something. person is ready to sell it for 30, he's saying now I'll give you 40 for it. Then he's saying now I'll give you 50 for it. Say, but what's the problem? Why, why do you want to do this? So I've just come from the gathering of Rasulullah and I've just heard this, that a person is not a complete believer until he loves for his fellow Muslim what he loves for himself. The value of this item, the true value, you don't know. I know it. And the true value of this item is 50 dirhams. If I was the seller, I would want the true value for myself. So now I'm giving you the true value. Now after knowing the true value, you want to still discount it, it's up to you. But you now are aware, this is the true value, I'm ready to give you the true value. Not that if a person is in a desperate situation, now he knows the true value also, but out of his desperation, because he has no option, he wants to do a quick sale just to cash up something out of that desperation, so now we even squeeze the person further. Now here the person is ready to give more than what the asking price is. If this is his mindset, where he's going to try to squeeze the last drop out of a person? Whether he's the buyer, whether he's the seller, where he's going to have that mindset of squeezing the last drop? He'll be not just fair, he'll be more than fair. So now this was the mindset, and this is what brought people closer to deen, the, the manner of dealing, how people dealt, what kind of character they showed. And after all, this is the thing people see. They will, our salah, our salah is in the masjid. The people out there don't see how we're performing our salah. Illa mashallah, somebody will see some... Mashallah, some person is traveling now, he's making his salah on the plane, somebody at the airport, somebody is at the station, or somebody on the side of the road, he's traveling somewhere to salah time. One person here and there, some people will notice this and witness it. By and large, they don't see our salah. They don't see our zakat that nobody knows. Even the Muslims don't know when we gave our zakat. And our hajj, hajj is in a specific place. Our fasting, nobody knows. Even a Muslim doesn't know the other Muslim is fasting. But what they see is how we deal, our character, our akhlaq. Imam Hanifa rahimahullah, one majusi, one fire worshipper, was owing him money. 
Now one day he happened to be passing by this person's house. And just as he was passing his house, he ended up by chance tramping onto something, some, some impurity was there, he didn't realize it and didn't notice it. So now he tramped on that, so it got stuck to his shoe. So he shook it off, he shook his leg or whatever, so some of it flew onto the wall of this fire worshipper. Now this wall, the house and the street is all simple dwellings and so on. So any case when this flew onto the wall of the fire worshipper, he stopped, I did this. So I need to sort this out. Now how do I do this? If I, I can't leave it here because I caused this problem. And now if I go to scrape it out, mud walls, I'm going to scrape it out, I'm going to end up scraping some of the sand of this person's wall. So in any case he knocked on the door now, he is very concerned, how do I sort this out? He knocked on the door, the person, somebody opened the door. So he said, tell, he probably was a slave there, he said, tell your master Abu Hanifa has come. So now when this person went inside and gave the message, that person came running out, he's thinking now, I haven't paid the amount that I'm owing him, the date, due date has passed, now he's come to collect it. So now he came out of the house already giving his excuses, please, you know, I'm delayed and I know I, I'll sort it out. He said, no, no, I haven't come for that. I've come for another greater issue. There's a more important issue for which I've knocked the door. What's the issue? He says, well, this happened, this uh, impurity got stuck on my shoe, I shook it off, it flew onto your wall. If I leave it there, that's wrong. If I go to scrape it, I'm going to scrape out your sand. How do we clean this now, without causing damage to the wall? Now this Majusi, this fire worshipper, he said, look, before you worry about purifying the wall, purify my heart. I want to accept Iman. I want to have that deen which you have. Abda'u bitatheeri nafsi. I will commence with cleaning my heart out first. Big Iman. And he accepted Iman there and there. What was it? How people were dealt with. What kind of akhlaq they saw. That the person is concerned about, number one, not leaving this impurity and filth on my wall. He would have walked past and went away. I wouldn't even have known who did it. He doesn't want to cause any damage to my property. And he's so concerned, he's knocking on my door to now find out how to sort this out. That attracted people into deen. That attracted people into Islam and Iman. Now this is the kind of dealings that will attract people because we are dealing, people are seeing this all the time. Whether it is our customers, whether it is our suppliers, whether it is our employers, whether it is our employees. Whoever it is, they're dealing with us, they're interacting with us all the time. And they are seeing, what is this? And now they want to know, this beautiful manner of dealing, this person never uses a vulgar word. We heard about this is a norm in the marketplace. But this person, mashallah, deals with us in such a manner, he's never used a vulgar word. This employer has never dealt with us unjustly. Where did he get this from? He says, no, my deen teaches me this. My beloved Rasulullah taught this manner of dealing. And this conduct, that brings a person to Iman. A Muslim, the way he goes about his business, the way he goes about his dealings, he is never at a loss. Sometimes there might be a material loss, but he will still profit for the akhirat. He never suffers, he'll either get both, he'll either earn the profit of dunya and akhirat, or at least he will be still earning the profit of akhirat. He will never be at a total loss. A person who has the mindset of a mu'min, and he deals as a mu'min deals, then he is never at a loss. Either both profits, or at least one prophet, which is the greater prophet in any case. So this is the way people dealt with, and this is how they went about things. Hazrat Uthman Ghani radiallahu ta'ala one incident that will highlight something further, we spoke about, just increasing the price. He once 
did a deal with somebody, uh, a Yahudi, whoever he was, <coughs> bought an orchard. Now when the deal was done, he said, give me your hand. As we say nowadays, they shook hands upon it. So this too was a means of confirming the sale. He said, give me your hand. Now when the person agreed on the price, everything, and now when he was told, give me your hand now to seal the deal, he said, I'm not going to sell it to you unless, until you give me 10,000 dirhams more. 10,000 dirhams more. So Abdul Rahman bin Awf was also standing there. Usman Ghani says to him, says Abdul Rahman bin Awf that I heard Rasulullah saying that Inna Allah la yudkhilur jannata rajulan kana samhan ba'iyan wa mubta'an wa qadiyan wa muqtadiyan I heard Rasulullah saying that Allah Ta'ala will enter into jannat a person who is lenient whether he is the seller, whether he is the buyer, whether he is demanding payment, whether he is paying, but he is easy going. I want this, I want this virtue. I want to be included in this group who have done this. Now this person already agreed on the price, but for this virtue I am ready to give him that 10,000 more. It wasn't necessary for him to do that. But his eye was on some profit beyond the profit of dunya. His eye was on the profit of akhirat. That fine, I'll give the 10,000 more here, but I'm earning something greater in return. He could have left the sale and went away. That was his prerogative. But he was buying something beyond material wealth. He was buying jannah. And Usman Ghani radiallahu now this we, we might ask ourselves that a person doing business like this, can he ever prosper? That something price increase uh, agreed on, now he's ready to give 10,000 more? Can such a person prosper? He was among the most prosperous sahaba. This is how he dealt. And he was among the most prosperous sahaba. Because the barakat came for him even in dunya. He was earning the profit of akhirat. And through this barakat, the profit of dunya as well. This is, and this brings the dua after all of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. In one hadith, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, Rahimallahu rajulan samha. May Allah have mercy on the person who is lenient. Is a ba'a, wa is a shtara, wa is a qtada. Whether he's selling, whether he's buying, whether he's demanding payment. He's easy going, he's lenient. May Allah have mercy on him. If some pious person comes, he gives us dua. The person passing our shop gives us some dua. We feel very, very happy about it. We feel very uh, emotionally uplifted. Pious person passed by, he made dua for me. This is a dua of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The dua of the greatest of Allah Ta'ala's creation. Rahimallahu rajulan samha. May Allah Ta'ala give barakat. May Allah Ta'ala have raham and mercy on that person. This is the barakat where it comes from. Just to finish off on one last hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu the whole aspect is the mindset where Nabi sallallahu says in one hadith that man talabat dunya halalan the person who earns halal dunya he's seeking dunya in a halal manner but not just there then there's an intention behind it. Why he's doing this? Isti'ifafan anil mas'ala he doesn't want to stretch his hand out to anybody he doesn't want to ask anybody to help him out financially etc. He wants to earn his own living. Isti'ifafan anil mas'ala and to earn for his family. And he doesn't stop there. And to be kind and compassionate to his neighbor and to share with others as well. He will meet Allah Ta'ala on the day of Qiyamah with his face shining like the 14 moon. And the person who earns dunya in a halal manner. It's only halal, it's not even it's a haram. But the mindset is wrong. The intention is off. 
Mukasiran Murayan. The old intention is just to amass the dunya, to show off that I have this and I have that and I can drive this and I can drive that, or I can build this and I can build that. Laqi Allah He'll meet Allah Ta'ala in the condition that Allah Ta'ala is displeased with him. Allah Ta'ala give us a tawfiq of bringing that mindset of deen in our lives and conducting ourselves in the way that Allah Ta'ala has commanded and Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam has shown us.